The Pesach says, Vayakom Melechadosh al-Mitzrayim, a new king arises over Mitzrayim, Asher Yoda es Yosef, that doesn't know Yosef. Rashi explains on this Pesach, Vayakom Melechadosh, we have a difference of opinion between Rav and Shmuel. One says, Chadosh Mamesh, it actually means a new king. The other one says, Shenes Chadshuk Zeyroisov, that he has new decrees. Now the Gemara actually tells us the reason for each one of these opinions. The one who says Chadosh, Mamish, literally a new king, is because the Pasuk says Melech Chadosh, that means a new king. The one who says that it's new decrees is because it doesn't say as the usual style would be, which means first it discusses a previous king dying, then a new king arising, and because of that we say that it is the same king. The Rebbe says both of these Pirushim clearly make sense in Pshutei Shal Mikra as well, and they come from the Pesukim themselves. And this is why Rashi brings them. However, we also know that Rashi brings the first one first because that's going to be closer to Pshutish al Mikra. And the reasons in our case that would be is because first of all, the translation of Melechodesh fits much more to say that it's actually a new king. According to another point is that if you want to say it's the same king, we're also going to have a problem in the next few words of the Pasuk where it says, Asher lo yodas Yosef where you're going to have to translate not that he doesn't know Yosef, but that he pretended not to know Yosef. And finally, this problem of, the problem with the first Pirush, that would be that it doesn't say, Vayomos, Vayimlach, that the previous king died and the new king around, is not so difficult to explain, because at the end of the day, Torah is not a history book and doesn't have to describe all of the previous kings, etc. What the Rebbe is going to deal with is why Rashi brings the names of Rav and Shmuel, where we know that Rashi only brings that if he's coming to help clarify something that would be able to be understood better based on bringing the names. Before explaining this, the Rebbe says, we also have to say that when Rashi says Rav and Shmuel, one says one opinion, one says the other, we're assuming that most probably the first one, Rav is saying the first opinion, and Shmuel is the one that's saying the second opinion. So Rav is saying that is literally a new king, and Shmuel is the one that's saying it's the same king. What the Rebbe is going to do now in the Sikha is the Rebbe is going to do what's called a Lashitose. The Rebbe is going to show that in many, many places, Rav sticks with his opinion. Rav is always basing Psukim, explaining it based on a certain way of understanding, and Shmuel is always basing it on another way of understanding. The Rebbe is going to go through a few machloikasin explaining this idea, and afterwards, the Rebbe is going to say that although this is a nice way of explaining it in the Gemara, all these machloikasin, but for Rashi, we're going to have to explain it yet in another way, where Rav and Shmuel are consistent with their opinions on a different issue, because Rashi doesn't actually bring all of the machloikas that we're about to mention. So first, the Rebbe explains it in the following way. We find in a number of machloikas between Rav and Shmuel, that the first one, Rav is always focusing mainly on the translation of the word presently right here in this Pasuk, and Shmuel is always trying to look at the bigger picture of the story going on in these Pesukim. So for example... We have the story of Yosef coming to the house of the wife of Petifar. The Pasuk says he came to do his work. The first opinion says, Malachto means simply his work, his actual work. The other opinion says, that he came to do something with the wife of Petifar. That is, the first opinion is looking at the meaning of the actual word, Malachto means his work. His work is his work. But if we look at the continuation of the Pasuk where it's emphasizing that there was no one home, it sounds like the Pasuk is trying to tell you he came there in a time when there was no one home for a specific reason, which leads the second opinion to say that he came to be with the wife of Petifar. In Megillah's Esther we have Achashverosh rules from Hoidu to Kush. One says that these are countries in two ends of the world, 
And the other one says, no, they're right next to each other, and we're trying to say that as much as Achashmedesh ruled on these two close countries, he was able to rule on the rest of the world as well. The first opinion, again, is looking at the word simply. Ad means two far places. You're saying, you try and say from one place all the way to the other place. But if we look at the Pasuk, the Pasa goes on to say, Sheva v'yesrim umeyo medina, that he rules on 127 countries, which is already telling us that he rules on the whole world. So why is it saying it twice? So we must say that it's coming to tell us something else. That it's coming to say that these two countries, even though they're close to each other, but he rules on them with power and might, in the same way he's also going to rule on the rest of the countries as well. Next, Machloikas. We have Amrofel and Nimroid are the same person. And we have a Machloikas, what's his real name? Is his name Nimroid? And he's being called Amrafel based on the words Omar Vehipil, which means he gave an order to throw Avram into the fiery furnace. Or is his name Amrafel and he's being called Nimroid because he made everyone rebel against Hashem. Says the Rebbe, it's the same idea. The simple words of Akush, Hoyle des Nimroid, in the first time the Pasuk is describing when Nimroid is born, so if you look at the simple pshat of the Pasuk, that's his name. Torah usually doesn't give reasons for names, and we don't need to look for a reason. When we come later to the same person, and he's being called Amrafel with a different name, we need to look for a reason. So why is he being called Amrafel? However, if we look at the Torah with the general idea, then here, in the Pasuk, by Nimrod, where he's born, what actually says right afterwards? It starts describing his rebellion against Hashem. It sounds like the Torah is trying to tell us that his name is Nimrod because of the rebellion. Later we'll come to Amrafel, we'll need to look for a reason. Well, so therefore that, the reason why it's called Nimrod is because of his rebellion. When we come to Amrafel, we'll say, well, that's his name. The Torah doesn't give any reasons for the name over there. So again, it's a difference of looking on the simple word right here. Is it just a name? Or are we looking at the context of the Psukim? Next, Machloikas. We again have two machloikas, uh, two opinions. One opinion says that it's the is so called because it had sets of burial places, sets of two burial places, multiple sets. The other opinion says it was because it had it's, a, it's two stories, it's one floor higher than the other. So the Rebbe says again, it's the same machloikas. The simple word of machpela means that it's something that has a doubleness about itself. And that would make more sense because it's set up in a way with double graves. As opposed to if it's just two stories, especially a grave or a cave in the ground of two floors, it's each one is really distinct and separate. Why is it being called doubled because of that? So the word machpelo itself is more leaning to the idea that there's something double about it, the double graves. But if we look again at the general story, Avram Avinu is begging over here for a burial place. For his wife Sarah, for one person, he's asking for eight graves. So it makes more sense to say that he's referring to the place that's called Maris HaMach because it's a double story place. Back to our Pasuk by Yaakov Melachadosh says that the same exact thing. Why does the Torah even tell us that there's a new king? Why can't it just start that he speaks to his people? Let's make decrees against the Jews. The Torah is coming to deal with over here how it was possible that Paroi should do such terrible things against the people of Yosef who had done such good for Mitzrayim. So the Torah says it's not so difficult. It's a new king. He didn't know Yosef. And here is where Rashi comes and brings two opinions. The first opinion is saying, yes, it simply means a new king, as we just said before, so he doesn't know Yosef at all, and that's why he can make all these decrees. But again, if we look at the general idea of what's going on in the Psukim, it's very, very difficult. Even if he's a new king, did he not hear about Yosef? 
And therefore, this opinion comes to say that actually, we're not coming to say how we can make such decrees. We're actually coming to emphasize what kind of terrible, wicked person he is, that he's the same king, and he has new decrees. Says the Rebbe, based on this, we can explain another machloikas. Rashi brings Vayita Eshel, that Avram Avinu plants an Eshel. Again, Rashi brings two opinions of Rav and Shmuel. One says that it was an orchard to bring fruits. The other one says it was an inn, a hotel, in which there was plenty of different types of food, etc. And for this, Rashi is a problem because the word Vayita usually means planting. So Rashi brings a posik that we can apply it to planting a tent as well, to erecting a tent, to fixing a tent. So again, the same idea. If we look at the simple words, Vayita means planting. Planting, you plant a tree. But if you want to look at the general idea of what Avraham Avinu is trying to achieve, bringing people closer to Hashem, it fits more that he makes an inn where people are going to stay over for a few days. He's going to serve them lots of food and he will be getting them to serve Hashem. As said before, this is all very nice to explain in the Gemara and the Medrash, but with Rashi, it's a little bit difficult to say this because in most of these cases, although Rashi speaks about a lot of these, and many times he doesn't mention Rav and Shmuel, only in very few places. And therefore the Rebbe has now another way of looking at a difference between Rav and Shmuel, and that is going to be based on another concept that we know about Rav and Shmuel, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, to discuss one more point. Simply these words, Havon Ishaq Mulei, is clearly coming to tell us what kind of Rosh Paro is. Clearly, as we said before, he must have known everything that Yosef had done. So this is where the question becomes, was Paroi's wickedness mainly between man and his fellow? Or is it mainly between him and Hashem? And this is where the Machloikas of Rav and Shmuel come in. Because we know from another place in the Gemara that says that the Halacha is always like a Rav in matters of Isur, which means in prohibitions, which is like the idea of Ben Adam Lamokayim. And in Shmuel, it's going to be in ma- it's going to be the halacha of Shmuel, like Shmuel in Dini Momenois, in monetary, monetary matters and so on, because each one had their expertise. Again, Rav always focusing on the more Ben Adam L'Mokim aspect, Shmuel focusing on the Ben Adam L'Chaveri aspect. Says the Rebbe, that's exactly what's happening over here. If we speak about uh, that, it's a say, if we say that it's exactly the same king, so clearly his Ben Adam L'chaveri is much, much, much worse. It's the same people, person that benefited from Yosef and now he's acting in such a terrible way to them. And that's why Shmuel, the second opinion, who emphasizes Ben Adam L'chaveri, he looks at it from the perspective, look what kind of terrible person Pari is because of his Ben Adam L'chaveri aspect. As far as Ben Adam L'mokoim, Pari could come along and say, look, I'm the same Pari. Yaakov Avinu accepted me as a king. These Jews came to my land when I was king, clearly accepting me. So his Ben Adam L'mokoim is not so terrible. He has an excuse. Whereas the other opinion, Ravu focuses on Ben Adam L'mokoim is the one that says, no, it's, it's a brand new king. So his Ben Adam L'chaveri is not so bad because he was never treated well by Yosef. But what excuses does he have to Hashem to start treating these people so badly, people that never accept him as a king, Yaakov never acknowledged him as a king, and so on. The Rebbe goes on to explain how this would work also in some of the other Machloikasen. I'm not going to go into all of that right now. But the Rebbe says the Haira of all of this is about a new king or an old king and so on, that we have people that think that we have connections and political connections and so on, and we need to listen to the governments in matters that it's Chas Vashalom going against Yiddishkeit. We need to remember that if it's a Melech Mitzrayim, it means people that are against Yiddishkeit, we can never follow in their ways. And we rather we have to go with the attitude of the Miyaldi Soivris, of the Jewish midwives, that when Pari wants to make decrees 
of Chas V'Shalim drowning the Yiddish boys in the Avodah Zorah, in the spiritual Avodah Zorah of Mitzrayim, going in the paths of Mitzrayim, and V'chol in educating the girls in the ways of Mitzrayim, so rather they stood strong and made sure the, Yiddin get the, the children get a proper Yiddish Chinuch, and even if one needs to speak to the Pari, to the government sometimes, in a respectful way like Moshe did, nevertheless he comes with Mateo Lekim with Hashem's staff, with Hashem's stick, that means with the strength, with the courage of a Yid, would not misspoil from any sort of decrees that are not going to be in the spirit of Yiddishkeit, we're involved in the Holy Chinuch, and of course, if based on this, we set up the Tzivus Hashem, who, and we go to the Geulah, Amitiz Vashleim immediately.